0: The Lord be with you. And with your A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to Jesus said to his disciples, There is no need to be afraid, little flock, for it has pleased your Father to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Give yourselves purses that do not wear out, treasure that will not fail, in heaven where no thief can reach and no moth destroy, for where your treasure is, There will your heart be also. See that you are dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like men waiting for their master to return from the wedding feast, ready to open the door as soon as he comes and knocks. Happy those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. I tell you solemnly, he will put on an apron, sit down at table, and wait on them. It may be in the second watch he comes, or in the third. But happy those servants if he finds them ready. You may be quite sure of this, that if the householder had known at what hour the burglar would come, he would not have let anyone break through the wall of his house. You too must stand ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, do you mean this parable for us or for everyone? The Lord replied, What sort of steward... Then, is faithful and wise enough for the master to place him over his household to give them their allowance of food at the proper time? Happy that servant, if his master's arrival finds him at his employment. I tell you truly, he will place him over everything he owns. But, as for the servant who says to himself, My master is taking his time coming, and sets about beating the men servants and the maids, eating and drinking and getting drunk, His master will come on a day he does not expect and at an hour he does not know. The master will cut him off and send him to the same fate as the unfaithful. The servant who knows what his master wants but has not even started to carry out those wishes will receive very many strokes of the lash. The one who did not know but deserves to be beaten for what he has done will receive fewer strokes. When a man has a great deal given him, a great deal will be demanded of him. When a man has had a great deal given him on trust, even more will be expected of him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, the Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. There's a few things in my mind as we break open the word today as we celebrate the Eucharist because there's been a lot happening in our communities. But one, we have our young friends here, and they're not presently here now, or maybe there are a few around, but they're preparing for the sacrament, um, the sacrament of all sacraments, the, the Eucharist. I also think of the school communities that have recently celebrated their Catholic Education Week, uh, fortifying their identity as communities of faith and of hope and of love, and a particular kind of faith and hope and love in a particular person, the one in whose name we gather here. Lastly, and in the week just gone, I was in Inu Park with the priests of the diocese, and we had some time of retreat, uh, annual retreat. It's always a very precious time to come together as um, men trying to to be present to our communities and, and also receiving the great love and, and um, affirmation of the communities. Uh, it, it dawned on me pretty early in my priestly ministry that my life is very meaningless without the likes of yourselves, you know. Um, there's, a, there's a relationship now that I need for, for my very life um, so we enter into that um, but I think of some of the things that the retreat director made Heaney shared with us and I'll, I'll touch on them in a moment lastly August if you're not aware is the month of vocations awareness so um, young men and young women and less young men and less young women we're all young people in this place as far as i'm concerned each of us had a vocation i want that to be very very clear to all of us it's not that some of us do no god calls each of us none of us is an accident and god doesn't spam us with vocational calls he actually is very deliberate in, in writing to you because he desires you he loves you he's created you as absolutely unique anyway in the background of all of that or in the context of all of that I have to say recently, I've been very struck by the fact that our faith deals with so much that is really invisible. Just think about this for a second, over here in our reading, but so much of our faith engages with the invisible, the imperceptible. Take baptism, for example, sometimes I say this at baptism preparation, um, you've got two people here, and one's baptized and one's not well, what's the difference? You know, outwardly, is one secretly radioactive or something? There is no chemical difference, you know? Um, And yet, somehow everything hangs on this, you know? Someone comes for um, a marriage and you say, okay, well, are they baptised? Where were they baptised? You can't just take their word for it, you have to go and find the certificate. Something invisible, and yet a lot is hanging on it, whatever exactly it is this invisible change that occurs in a person then you've got the eucharist at the back of our church over there we've got gifts of bread and wine and that's exactly what they are at this current time bread wine couldn't be more mundane but at some point in the mass an invisible change occurs and it must look insane to the outside world what we're doing here because over there if we drop it it goes in the bin but we better not drop it once It's undergone that change. It's no longer just bread for us, is it? And if we don't believe that, our whole Catholic faith is in jeopardy. Like, that's that's at the centre of our faith. Invisible. What is it? What exactly is going on here that evades our senses, and yet we're gathered devoutly to witness and participate in? Think of ordination. I was validly ordained because a valid bishop ordained me. And you think, well, what makes his episcopacy valid? You know, who ordained him? And and by what means? Putting his hands over his head? What does that do? What does that do? It's, 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 it seems to do nothing. And yet, somehow it does everything. Because this invisible God of ours is interacting with us. Sometimes in invisible ways, but it's mediated through visible symbols like we, we catch glimpses of it I want to say sometimes if, if we get this idea of, of the invisible that's at work we might take it too far and we say well yeah you know I believe in an invisible church God didn't establish um, a church or sacraments or any of that kind of stuff it's all just faith and that's actually not where we position ourselves otherwise we wouldn't be gathered here God mediates the invisible through the visible but we have to look through it because it's not about the first layer everything is sort of like a thin veil this series of veils that we in faith are able to gaze through and who do we see but our lord loving us loving us in in strange and extraordinary ways i was speaking to the children in um st john's just recently about the trinity and again you know um, this god that we believe in the Father and the Son and the Spirit who come to us. Jesus, who, thank God, is visible for us. I mean we can see right here. Jesus mediates something invisible to us. He brings us into communion with a God who is transcendent beyond time and space. All of our images of the Father, frankly, are wrong. He's not a bigger, buffer, older version of Jesus. That's not what the Father is. But Jesus makes him present. He is truly a father, but is he a big old man? No. He's not a big old man, but, he's, but he is our father. So how do we enter into relationship with this God who loves us, wants to be present to us and yet evades our every sense? Well, we need Jesus for that very reason. If I can say then, with regard to the readings we hear today, we're gathered here not in vain, but we're gathered here really to experience the invisible, via, visible signs visible ritual actions and symbols. This line struck me out of wisdom. And wisdom is written, by the way, recollecting Israel's liberation from Egypt. Think of the many signs that Egypt had to endure. The, the, the blood, water, the frogs, the, the gnats, all of that. The Book of Wisdom recollects that in a kind of poetic fashion. And says, our God loves us so much that he's able to orchestrate nature to act in an unnatural way to help us you know and that's what this is about and Israel put their, their trust in these strange ritual actions the paschal lamb you've got to cook it, you've got to cook all of it you've got to eat all of it, don't leave any of it uneaten. what is that? it's like a strange ritual action that was important for some reason it says here once they saw the kind of oaths they had put their trust in the devout children of worthy people offered sacrifice in secret and in this divine pact, in this sacred institution, they struck with one accord. We're gathered here by these very ritual actions to together come, to together admit our need for God, to together admit that, yeah, at times we've wandered off track in little ways and maybe not so little ways and we come trusting that whatever it is we're doing here as a community actually has an effect. We might not see it. We might not feel it. But something sacred and divine is breaking into your life now. And it's breaking deeper than it did yesterday. Insofar as we want it to. Insofar as we have the faith to allow it to to enter into us and to change us. And it does. It has that effect. We're right to think and to, and to trust in it. I want to say this too, and I'll probably I'll, I'll finish here. The fact that all of this is at God's invitation. You know, when we use the language of vocation, I didn't choose to be a priest in, in the ordinary sense of the word, but someone else chose it for me, you know, and I came to sort of discover it. And, and I, I would suggest that the same is probably true for all of you, wherever you found yourself. You didn't dream it up on the chalkboard and then set out On a heroic cause to go and find it but somehow they found you didn't it because all of this is about relationship this god of ours is is drawing us deeper and deeper into who we are (laughs) he's revealing us to ourselves and our god loves us so much hear these words again it comes from hebrews it says our god is not ashamed to be called our god he wants to be associated with you he wants to be associated with us He loves us. He gathers us. And we become the visible sign of his invisible presence in the world. Isn't that staggering? If the world sees Christ today, if the world in gladstone sees Christ today, it'll be through you. You're going to mediate it to them. It's a big responsibility. But they are going to see it. Please God, and they'll recognize it. Um, I know I said I... Finish there but there's one other thing i want to say in the gospel um there's that anxious line where jesus says you know the servant who knows what his master wants but doesn't do it will get many stripes many strokes the one who didn't know but still deserves it will still receive stripes less but will still receive stripes you know? What, what does this mean for us because we'd be wrong to imagine just like we'd be wrong to imagine god's a big man we'd be wrong to imagine him with his you know belt getting ready to give us a, a whopping that's that's not what this is suffering and the mystery of suffering in general plays a, a an interesting role in the christian life there's a psalm that struck me during the writing of my thesis which picks it up beautifully and, and keep in mind the Psalms is way before the time of jesus up his cross, But it's sort of lamenting that the people of faith seem to have it harder than the people of not faith. <laughs> you know, it says, look at the wicked in their beautiful houses with their fine garments and their bodies are sleek and they have all they need. And look at us, Lord, your people. And we're famished and we have nowhere to rest and we're oppressed and we're sad, you know. And you think, what is this? <laughs> Why is it that God somehow seems to lavish those who would seem to be outside of relationship with him, with all this grace and abundance, all this ease of life, and yet the ones who are close to him, as Teresa of Avila said, Jesus, God, if this is how you treat your friends, it's no wonder you have so few. <laughs> you, know, you don't treat them well. Well, it's this strange mystery whereby when we follow Christ, when we draw near to him, when we enter into relationship with him, when we take up his mission, yes, we're lavished with love, That's unequivocal. Yes, we are lavish with great, great love. But then Jesus does this horrendous thing. (laughs) He entrusts us. He says, okay, now with me, let's take up the cross, which is an instrument of transformation in the world. It's like a tremendously effective plough to go and till the earth. And it's awkward, isn't it? I mean, who wants the cross? Really, no one wants it. It's not a good thing. But it does reap goodness in the world. And God entrusts us with that. Just take up your cross, follow me, till the earth, make a sacrifice. That's why we're here. It is, in the truest sense, sacrifice. And sacrifice is in every single culture everywhere, by the way, because the human heart knows this. You don't have to be a Christian to know what sacrifice is. In fact, in a kind of ironic way, maybe Christians most of all have forgotten what sacrifice really is. We come here to offer something of ourselves. Because what we are receiving so outweighs anything we could ever be that we we shouldn't even exist. We shouldn't even be here. That's what, that's what a sacrifice is. It's like, God, I'm here by an extraordinary gift that I don't even deserve. And I may as well be what happens to this sacrifice here. I should just be burnt up into dust. Jesus makes the sacrifice. Because... He wants us. He wants us with him. He wants us to enjoy the fullness of life, whatever exactly that is. I don't think any of us has even begun to to comprehend it. It's a kind of invisible reality, but it's breaking in now. So if I can invite us, as we prepare, we're going to witness things with our eyes. But let's look deeper than that. Look through the sacraments, look through the words, look through the symbols. And let's trust that our being here is readiness enough. Hear that beautiful line in the Gospel where it says, When he finds the servant ready, he puts on his apron and goes and he serves them. You're about to see that in just a moment. Jesus putting on his apron and setting a banquet for all of us as we gather.